Good morning, everyone. Okay. Well, those of you who know me know that I am, uh, I am not a, pre- a preacher or a pastor. I work in an office like many of you do. And in my office, we have an uh, energy control system that shuts off the lights automatically at 7 o'clock every night and every two hours after that. If you want to put the lights back on, you have to dial your phone and punch in this code, and then just the lights in your little area that correspond to that code go back on. So if you turn the lights on twice, you're working at 9 o'clock. And if you turn the lights on three times, you're working at 11 o'clock. You turn the lights on four times, turn the lights on four times, it doesn't matter anymore because you're just, <laughs> you're just irritated by the lights going out. Sometimes when the lights go out the second or third time, I sit in my office in the dark and I look out the window. And I look at the sparkling lights across the city of Worcester and I think to myself, all those people wasting electricity, so why am I sitting here like an idiot in the dark? <laughs> Other times I get a little more pensive. And I look out in the darkness and I see the sparkling lights and I think to myself, what's the point? What am I doing here? What's this all mean? Not just why am I here in this office at this time of night, though that's a valid question. But what's the point? What's, what's the meaning of life? What's it all about? I mean, I get up in the morning, and I, maybe I run, maybe I don't. I take a shower, I go to work. I work, and I work, and I work, and I turn the lights on a couple of times, and I go home, and I eat my dinner, and I fall into bed, and I wake up the next morning, do it all over again. What's the point? What's the, what's the meaning? I figured the Bible would be a good place to find out the meaning of life, so I go to the Bible, and this is what I read. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. What has been will be again and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already. Long ago, it was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old, and even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. I, the teacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. You want to know the meaning of life? There it is, straight from the Bible. Let's all, let's all stand for the closing prayer, shall we? You wanted a short message? You got a short message. How can that be? The meaning of my life is that my life has no meaning? How can that be? And who is this king, this teacher? And why are his depressing statements in my Bible? Well, the teacher is Solomon, son of David, the richest, wisest, most powerful, most well-respected man of his day. The book is the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you're using one of our church Bibles, you'll find Ecclesiastes on page 560. If you're using your own Bibles, Ecclesiastes is right after Proverbs, pretty much right in the middle of your Bible. This morning, I'm going to be running through Ecclesiastes very quickly. So what I did was I took most of my scripture references and I put them on the back of your handout. So they run in chronological order, so if you want to follow along that way, that'd be great if if it helps you. There's a few things you need to know about the book of Ecclesiastes. First thing is that it's a hard read. 
It's concepts and ideas are difficult to grasp. And Solomon is not a very linear thinker. His thoughts are kind of all over the place. And for that reason, most Christians take kind of a passive-aggressive approach to the book. We know it's there in the Bible. We pretty much ignore it. It's kind of like that weird uncle you got that nobody ever talks about. I used to be like that with Ecclesiastes, but I kind of thought that maybe it's not a really high-wattage idea to completely disregard 12 chapters of what God has put in his word. So this morning I'd like to run through, literally run through Ecclesiastes with you and keep the idea in mind of the meaning of life and keep the question in mind, why is this in our Bible? Just as a background, there's three things you need to know about Ecclesiastes before we start. Solomon uses a particular term, a Hebrew term, hevel, which is translated in the NIV, which I read to you as meaningless. The Holman Christian Standard, which we have in church here, translates it as futile. Other translations translate it as vain or empty or frustrating, but you kind of get the picture. The other thing, term he uses is a phrase, under the sun or under heaven. When Solomon says under the sun or under heaven, he means on this earth, in this world, in this earthly realm. And he uses the term crooked or twisted. And when he uses that term, he's referring to the condition of this world, this earth, under the sun. See, Solomon knows from Genesis chapter 1 and 2 that God created the world. And when he created it, it was what? It was good. But he also knows that in Genesis chapter 3 came the fall. And after the fall, things were not good. There was sin and brokenness. And the world was crooked and twisted. And that's what he says the condition of the world is. And he says there's nothing you can do about it. But why does he tell us that our lives are meaningless? Well, first of all, he says our lives are meaningless, meaningless, chapter 1, verse 9, because they're really just a series of circles. And you know, he's right. You wake up in the morning, you go to work, you go to school, maybe you watch TV all day, but otherwise occupy your time. You go home at night, you drop into bed and you go to sleep and do it all again the next day. You go to work at the end of the day, the next day there's more work. You go to school, there's more school. You mow your lawn, your lawn grows back. You cut your hair, your hair grows back. You rake your leaves, a year later they all fall down again. It's all a series of circles. Cut your toenails, they grow back. Shave your head or your arm or whatever, it grows back. Everything is a series of circles. You clean your house and six months later you've got to clean it again. <laughs> why, do you, why do you think those things that grow under your furniture are called dust bunnies? They breed like rabbits. You'll never get rid of them. It's a series of circles. just keeps coming back. Solomon says your life is a circle. Your life is like that luggage, that lost luggage on the baggage claim at the airport. just goes round and around and around. The guy who owns it maybe in Chicago, it ain't going to Chicago. It's going around and around and around. Now, the whole circle of life may be kind of cute and catchy if you're a cartoon lion, but if you're a human being, it's kind of depressing. And it's even more depressing when Solomon says, chapter 1, verse 4, that your life is a series of circles that don't go anywhere, which is part of a larger series of circles, and they don't go anywhere either. Look what he says in chapter 1, verse 4. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Generations come and go, he said. Decades come and go. Sometimes you might have a pretty good run, but then some other generation or some other decade will come back and just drag it right back down again. You never really get anywhere. It all ends up in the same spot. I grew up in the 1960s. 
time of great social change, uh, the civil rights movement, the space exploration, Woodstock, campus radicals, the birth of classic rock music. Amazing decade. Went to college in the 1970s. <laughs> Disco. <laughs> Men in too tight white bell-bottom pants and fake silk shirts and platform shoes. The gong show. Does <laughs> anything say futility like the gong show? Solomon says, yeah, generations come, generations go, decades come, decades go. One makes some progress, one drags it down. You always end up in the same spot. Most importantly, Solomon tells us our lives are meaningless because at the end of our circle, we die. In chapter 1, verse 11, after we die, those who come after us won't even remember that we were here. See, the idea, the concept of death hangs over the book of Ecclesiastes like thick, black, acrid smoke. It gets in your nostrils when you read it and you can't get rid of it and you can't argue against it. My dad was born in 1921. He arrived in this world bald and toothless and unable to take care of his own needs. He grew up, went to war, came back, got married, raised five children, worked hard, retired. Eighty years after he arrived in this world, we stood around his bed and we watched him die. The man who survived Hitler and me as a teenager. The man who read countless books and worked countless hours. The man who called me Tiger when Tiger was not a derogatory term. <laughs> he breathed his last breath. And when he did, he was bald and toothless and unable to take care of his own physical needs. We had a memorial service for my dad, and well-meaning people said things like, well, he had a good life. And those words, they rang empty to me, because those were the same words I told my son when his hamster died. Yeah, I said, he had a good life. He got in his wheel every day, and he ran, and he ran, and he ran, and then one day he stopped running, and then he died. Solomon says, yeah, that's about right. Chapter 3, verse 19. For the fate of people and the fate of animals is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. People have no advantage over animals, for everything is futile. For both men and animals, says Solomon, at the end of our circle, we die. And death renders life meaningless. So how are you enjoying this little talk so far, huh? <laughs> Uplifting stuff, don't you think? We don't want to hear this. And Solomon knows we don't want to hear it. He knows exactly what we're going to say. We're going to say, no, 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 no. Our lives will have meaning. We'll be different. We'll work hard. We, we will make money and we will be successful and we will find meaning in life. Solomon says, yeah, I tried that. That didn't work. Chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Look what Solomon says. The fact is, <clears throat> I acquired male and female servants and had slaves who were born in my house. I also owned many herds of cattle and flocks, more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. And what's the outcome? Verse 11. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile in a pursuit of the wind. Okay. That didn't work. How about work? We'll find our dream job. We'll pour ourselves into our work and we'll find meaning in work. Someone said, yeah, I tried that too. That didn't work either. 
chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. I hated all my work at which I labored under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool, yet he will take over all my work that I labored at skillfully under the sun. This too is futile. Solomon says, look, whether you're working for money or you're just pouring yourself into your work, eventually you're going to die and you're going to leave it to somebody else. All right. How about love? Love. I'll find Mr. Right or Ms. Right. I'll find meaning in love. You're the meaning in my life, the song says. You're the inspiration. Without you, baby, what good am I? <laughs> we'll find meaning in love. Solomon says, I love. Yeah, that's good. Chapter 9, verse 9. Enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life, which has been given to you under the sun, all your fleeting days. For that is your portion in life and in your struggle under the sun. That word fleeting in this verse is hevel, meaningless, futile, empty. Solomon says love's a good thing. Love's a gift from God. You find love, you find good thing. But you're not going to find meaning in love. We live in a culture that sells everything from beer to BMWs by using sex. A lot of people buy into that culture and they say, I will find meaning in pleasure, in sensuality, in indulgence. Someone says, yeah, I tried that too. Chapter 2, verses 8 and 10, Solomon says, I gathered male and female singers for myself and many concubines, the delights of men. I did not refuse myself any pleasure. According to 1 Kings, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I didn't go to WPI, but I can do the math on that one. That's a lot of women. And none of them brought meaning to his life, he says. Oh, we know we'll say, we'll we'll get educated. We will get a top-notch education. We will pour ourselves into education, and that will give us meaning in our lives. And Solomon says, oh, fine, go ahead. Get yourself a dozen PhDs. But just remember this. Chapter 1, verse 18. For with, with much wisdom is much sorrow. As knowledge increases, grief increases. Listen, says Solomon. All you're going to do when you get wisdom and knowledge is you're going to learn about this crooked, twisted, broken world, and it's going to grieve you. Classic example. I pulled this off my bookshelf. A great scholarly work, Dr. Hans Zinser's Rats, Lice, and History, A Chronicle of Pestilence and Plagues. A a true page-turner, okay? I love what Zinser, how he ends his book. Listen to this. Typhus, typhoid, is not dead. It will live on for centuries, and it will continue to break into the open whenever human stupidity and brutality give it a chance, as most likely they occasionally will. Here's a happy thought, don't you think? (laughs) Solomon says, look, I'm smarter than you. I'm richer than you. I worked harder than you. I've indulged myself more than you. And I'm here to tell you, This life is meaningless because this world is broken and crooked and empty and you die. On the internet, there's a uh, series of cartoons. I don't know if you've ever seen it called Charlie the Unicorn. Anybody ever seen Charlie the Unicorn? Charlie's not your average unicorn. He's not sort of a happy-go-lucky guy. As a matter of fact, he's kind of crabby and cynical and grouchy because something awful always happens to Charlie. And there's one cartoon when one of the other unicorns turns to Charlie and he says, you're like a constant downer, huh? And that's the way I kind of look at Solomon for a long time. You're like a constant downer, huh? You're like the Eeyore of the Bible. 
But every so often, Solomon lets a a ray of light into this darkness that he paints for us. Every so often, he points out how God reaches into this dark world and gives us something. Every so often, he tells us, look, I'm a realist, but I'm not a cynic. I'm not telling you to give up. What he is saying, however, like Dr. Haddon Robinson says, is he's telling us to look up. Every so often, Solomon lets a little light shine through. And he does it in a number of places. I don't have time to stop and look at all of them. But he best summarizes it in chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. This is what he says. I have seen the task that God has given people to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts, but men cannot discover the work God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and enjoy the good life. It is also the gift of God whenever anyone eats and drinks and enjoys all his efforts. I know that all God does will last forever. There is no adding to it or taking from it. God works so that people will be in awe of him. See what he's saying here? He's saying God, first of all, is powerful and awesome and sovereign. God is sovereign over all things. And his sovereignty extends to time and everything else. He decides when time is appropriate. And we don't see how he works from beginning to end. We only see little bits and pieces of it. He also says that God is generous. God is a giving God. And every so often he reaches in and gives us good things. That's why throughout the book Solomon occasionally says it's a good thing for a man to eat and drink and enjoy his life and his work. And his wife too. See, if we try to find our meaning in those things, we're doomed. But if we accept them as gifts from the hand of God and we use them in accordance with his will and his desires, those are good things. The other thing he says is that God has put eternity in our hearts. And he's got to be pointing to something besides what he's already told us because if all our lives are just a series of circles and then we die and God has put eternity in our hearts, then God has played a pretty cruel joke on us. But I think he's pointing beyond what he's already po- what he's pointed out to us and painted, that the bleakness. He's pointing maybe to eternity and to the one who John called the true God and eternal life. Because a thousand years from Solomon's time, this sovereign God who decides when all time is appropriate decided it was the appropriate time to send his son to this world, this broken and crooked and twisted world. And his son came to this world and he lived here. And he ate and he drank and he slept and he woke up and he laughed and he cried just like we do except with one major difference. He did it perfectly. In a broken and twisted world, he was not crooked. He was straight, perfectly straight. He came to make a crooked and twisted world perfectly straight. And that's why when Solomon says in chapter 1, verse 15, that which is crooked cannot be straightened. He's pointing out that he knew the disease, but he didn't know the cure. But when Jesus came, John the Baptist was telling everybody, I know the cure. Jesus Christ is the cure. Look what John says in Luke chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight. The rough ways smooth and everyone will see the salvation of God. Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12 that he was greater than Solomon. 
and he was here to straighten a crooked world. And things didn't work out as they planned. Because in a crooked and twisted world, does a perfectly man, straight man look normal or weird? He looks weird. He doesn't fit in. There's an episode of The Simpsons where Bart asks his father, Homer, why he has to wear shoes to church because Jesus wore sandals. Homer suggests to Bart that maybe if Jesus had better arch support, they would have never caught up to him. The fact is, Jesus could have worn Nikes and they still would have caught him. Because in a crooked and broken and twisted world, a perfectly straight man doesn't fit in. And so they killed him. They crucified him. And for three days, it looked like Solomon was right. For three days, it looked like this crooked and broken world would go on being crooked and broken. That this life is futile and meaningless because death always wins out. But then there was the resurrection. Then was the knowledge and the realization and the revelation that, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God had made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. That's the good news. That's the gospel. God sent his son to a crooked and twisted world because we are crooked and twisted. And he sent his son to make it uncrooked and untwisted and straighten it out. And that's what he did. In doing so, he resurrected himself and was victorious over sin and death. The very things that rob our lives of meaning. Sin and death. And that's why Paul can say, death has been swallowed up in victory. That's why Paul can say, for me to live as Christ, to die is what? Gain. That's the gospel. And with all the dismal news I've told you so far, that's really good news. And that's why it's in your Bible. It's there to point us from darkness to light, from death to life. It's there to show us how bad life is without Jesus and how good life is with Jesus. It's there just like the book of the law is there. You know all those laws that the people of God, including us, could never keep? It's there to point us to the one who's the perfect fulfillment of the law. It's there just like the book of the prophets which talk about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's there to push us, to shove us, to prod us, to drive us to Jesus Christ. And that's why Solomon says at the end of his book, chapter 12, verse 13, when all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is, fear God and keep his commands. The Apostle Paul, John, picks up where Solomon left off. 1 John 3.23, John says, And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you have never taken a look into your own heart and seen the brokenness and crookedness there and the sin, if you've never repented of your sin, if you've never placed your faith and your trust and your hope and belief in Jesus Christ as the only way to a perfect and holy and just God, then among other things, you will never find meaning in this life. Your life will be like Mick Jagger singing, I can't get no satisfaction. You'll try and you'll try and you'll try and you'll try, but you will not find meaning in this life. Because if Solomon tells us anything, it's that this life without Jesus Christ is a broken, twisted, meaningless, puppy-kicking world. St. Augustine told us that our hearts are restless until they find their rest in God. And the only way to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, if you have placed your belief and your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that I understand that sometimes, sometimes, it seems like Solomon is right. 
Sometimes we face difficult circumstances and painful lessons and circumstances in our lives, and it seems like life really is meaningless and futile. But I want you to know that if you place your faith and hope in Christ, you find meaning in him, because in him you find that you place all of what you believe on a person who has defeated sin and death. The very things that rob us of meaning, he overcame by his resurrection. And his work of redemption is not complete yet. But he has told us that he will return and complete that work of redemption. Until then, we have to deal with the brokenness and crookedness of this world. But we can still find meaning because we find our meaning in Christ. Because his victory is sure. And we hold to that victory, even in the face of adversity. And we know that when his redemption is complete, we will know that our suffering is not in vain. This is what Tony Campolo says in one of his books. There are those who scoff at us and say, who are you kidding? The world will always be a mess. You can't change things. There is no hope. To those pseudo-sophisticated cynics, I reply, I've been reading the Bible. I peeked at the last chapter to see how it ends. And Jesus wins. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the work and the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, for his perfect life, for his death and his resurrection and victory over sin and death, because in that victory we find meaning in our lives. And we give our lives to you, Lord, because only you can give us meaning in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for that gift. We thank you for that sacrifice. We thank you for that glorious power of who you are. And as we come to your table this morning, we ask that our hearts will be full of love and awe for you, for what you've done for us, for your grace and mercy and forgiveness to us. And we, we throw ourselves at your feet, Lord. And we thank you and we praise you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.